gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hi, everyone. As you may have noticed, this week you are getting a little bonus rather than a regular chapter episode. And Jesse and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I personally really like it when podcasters remind me that they're human beings. And so I assume that you all feel the same way. <laughs> I think it's good to just uh, be like, you're all the same as me. That's why you like to listen to me talk. <laughs> <laughs> how parasocial relationships like this work right i think so yeah all right great yeah so basically it's summer and jesse and i are doing things like going out of town and because of that we've been like really really crunched for time and are recording episodes like five days before they come out which includes a weekend which means that i have three days to get something ready to publish or else i have to work over the weekend which means i've been working a lot of weekends And also, like, I went on vacation, and then I had to work as many weekends or, like, weekend days as I took vacation time because there's just no one to do my job when I'm not here because this is a two-person operation. (laughs) I I know know the quality of our podcast. Uh, Sometimes it's not super transparent that people have, like, producers and researchers and editors and, like, a whole, like, five- or ten-person team. This is not that kind of podcast. Uh, there is two of us. This is Lark's full-time job. I am doing this on top of my full-time job. So I would argue that your job is currently more than full-time. Yeah, no, you know, like at- every time I talk to Jesse, she's like working an evening or like has to go to a meeting at like some ridiculous hour of the day, and it's horrible, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate that for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kids, don't don't go into nonprofit work. Just don't don't do it. It will suck you dry. Anyway, uh, yeah. So we're we're just a we're a homegrown operation, y'all. We sure are. Yeah. So basically, you're getting a really delightful letter letter to the editor episode from Patreon. Um, we're going to talk about cute fan theories and like dig into some of the stuff that people were interested in that we brought up in episodes past. Um, I think you're going to love it. And we're going to be back in two weeks with chapter eight. And hopefully this brief little pause will both give me the opportunity to take a real vacation and also give us the chance to get ahead of ourselves enough in recording just for perspective my preference is to have two weeks between recording an episode and when it goes out into the world so five days is like really not enough yeah especially for the amount of work uh, it takes to produce and edit an episode of this here fine podcast (laughs) exactly Uh, yeah so that's why that's why um just in case you were worried like oh no they're back to like not chapter content we're we're not we're still doing chapter content just need a little bit little bitty break 
And I already say thank you to all of you who are about to send me emails being like, I'm so proud of you for taking a break. Every time we have to do one of these, people are like, I want to give you so much validation for taking care of yourselves. And I'm like, slurp it up and then never respond to that email because it gives me anxiety. So <laughs> I'm going to say thank you live. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever uh, written us an email and never gotten a response, anxiety is, is the reason. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Listen, today, like Simon Beals is like, you know, fuck the Olympics. I'm going to take a break from my mental and physical health. And like, really, let, that's a good lesson for all of us to be like, if you can walk away from the fucking Olympic because you're like, fuck it. I can't, then you can take a break from, any, from anything you want to. Hell yes. Priorit- prioritize yourself, folks, just as we are prioritizing our mental and physical health. Yep. Yes. Find us inspirational as opposed to feeling disappointed that you don't have a new chapter episode this week. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for being our listeners. We love you all very, very much. And now sit back and enjoy this little letter to the editor episode it just feels very novel to be recording this late yeah welcome to our slumber party oh yeah yeah Hello, patrons. Welcome to our third ever Letter to the Editor episode exclusively for you, our patrons. It's late. We already recorded an episode of Escape from Reality today. Also, a lot's going on in the world right now, so bear with us. But we are very excited to talk about your questions. Yeah, this is... I was about to say this is Letters to the Editor After Dark. (laughs) (laughs) so it's not gonna be that scandalous sorry everyone uh it's also not dark where i am but okay that's fair Uh, after dark (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) start start off strong with with the puns because that's what we're all about here it sure is yeah we're just we're just gonna get into it jazzy's gonna kick us off with our first letter all right Uh, this letter is from Ivan. Hey, y'all. Zillennial former witch here, which is an all-gender term. Anyway, yes, us Capricorns are all Slytherin. I'm a Capricorn Aquarius sun, Cancer moon. I went through a period of Ravenclaw denial, a weirdly common occurrences with other snakes I've talked to before embracing my serpent nature. My little sister is a Capricorn sun, Scorpio moon, and she's a Slytherin growing more Slytherin every day. As a Capricorn Slytherin, obsessed with psychology and who has many neurological and psychological conditions, I do have some feelings about Snape and Riddle. Yes, both of them have voluntarily partaken in horrible behaviors, but there are so many other factors that contributed, including, but not limited to, a traumatic childhood environment, overcompensation in the harmful culture of Slytherin's elite due to being half-bloods raised in the muggle world, Possible genetic dispositions to mental disorders with adverse behaviors, especially the textbook antisocial personality disorder, and other cluster B symptoms shown by not only Voldemort, but all of the Gaunts, which has had me calling bullshit on the love potion equals loveless child. Even if that's true, I would think that 
it would only extend to romantic attraction. And aromantic doesn't equal antisocial, a common anti-aromantic slash asexual stigma. Okay, rant over. And Mr. Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore using them and failing them. These factors do not excuse voluntary behavior, hashtag Neville's kitten basket, but they can give context besides evil, born evil, die evil, inherently evil. All major examples of Slytherins are inherently evil. That plus I'm a sucker for slow redemption Snape fanfic, which he is rattled by something. Undeniable proof Harry has a similar home life that Albus has been twiddling his his thumbs on is an A++ example. Eventually realizing what a dick he is and starts wrestling with making changes in himself. Instant heel turns Snape writers and wholehearted apologists should be fed to a basilisk who doesn't have a name. I refuse to believe Riddle didn't name them. Very true. <clears throat> in short, Snape should have had should have redeemed himself if he actually thought about what he sees, hears, and says instead of building a highway past his frontal lobe to false logic validated by emotion and memory town, which actually sounds a lot like PTSD condition a bully could have. Having been, having been with myself in the past, and Voldemort might not have existed if the field of psychology at the time wasn't, you have problems? It's because you want to fuck your opposite sex parent as a child. So you're going to get a healthy dose of electricity and this needle shoved into your brain. I need to start off by saying that we received this letter before we did our episode with Nora. So Ivan, clearly on the same wavelength, because this is all like so relevant to that episode. And I think it's like really cool to see that I guess like come up in in from more than one place so I wanted to I felt like it was important to sort of keep in the context of where all of this was coming from but I at least am particularly interested in talking about the idea of like Snape redemption alternative storylines um because I think that that's really interesting. And obviously as someone who like doesn't really read fanfic isn't something that I've read a lot of or any of rather. Um, so that besides the fact that Ivan validated my uh, all Capricorns are Slytherins theory <laughs> is the reason that I wanted to talk about this letter. <laughs> I, I, I did figure that you deeply appreciated that. I, I certainly did. Uh, and I get more and more emails every day about how I'm right that all Capricorns are Slytherins. Uh, which also just proves that astrology is real, which I also love. So I mean, well, clearly. But yeah, let's talk about it. All right. Um, okay. So I do actually want to start off by saying that I have, in fact, read fanfiction like this, where for whatever reason, Snape finds out Harry's living condition and is just like what the fuck um which usually involves him like removing harry from this home and putting him somewhere else uh often with lupin i like to say so and i definitely think that that if that had happened in canon that would have been a more that would have been an actual redemption arc mm-hmm. i mean because i'm trying to say is that like Throughout this podcast, what I have discovered is not that, like, I like I don't like book canon Snape. That's not the reason why I like Snape as a character. It's just that 
I definitely seen a lot of diff like a vari- like a variety of fan fiction where people take his character in different places that I find very fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, but and I also just kind of think is, I mean, I just don't think that J.K. Rowling has a skill to try to do an actual redemption arc. <laughs> like, I mean, so relevant in twenty twenty here, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess part of it is hard because I feel like not a lot of shows or books really do a really good re- redemption arc. I mean, part of the reason why I'm obsessed with Avatar The Last Airbender is that they have probably one of the best fantasy redemption arcs of like a villain actually like struggling and learning and making mistakes and like coming to realize that like the things that he was taught about colonialism basically and war were like fucked up and like Mm -hmm. makes an active change to become a better kinder person i think a lot of creators don't take the time to do that and that definitely is not what happens with snape yeah i feel you i feel like it's kind of uh similar to the fact that we almost never in media see meaningful apologies modeled i think that and even in fantasy, which is like it's in the t- in the title of the genre, we don't see like what should be. We we get sort of just uh, regurgitated what society wants redemption to mean, which is like I don't have to do any work and you forgive me, and that's that's not what redemption looks like. Yeah, and it would be so rad to actually have meaningful change be modeled by quote-unquote villains because like it's super fucking heroic to like confront your past and grapple with it and come out the other side a better person and like i would love to be able to be like fuck yeah severus snape was one of the bravest men harry potter ever knew but like i can't I can't say that because it's just like blatantly false because motivation matters. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that like Ivan is right. Like we don't like in our episode with Nora, we mainly talk about Tom Riddle, but there's already, there's also a lot of similarities between Tom Riddle and Snape where it's like a different, flavor of of abusive childhood and like kind of a you know different flavor of continued childhood trauma at hogwarts you Mm -hmm. know and i don't know the kind of trauma that like being poor affects you as a person and your brain Mm -hmm. and i mean i feel like digging into snape's issues could be like its own whole episode that I was just thinking that because I do think that it would be an interesting thing to compare what we see with Voldemort with what we see with Snape, because even though Dumbledore is still using and like manipulating Snape, it's inarguable that Snape is given a lot of opportunities to make amends and like is trusted completely by like McGonagall and the rest of the staff and like has a lot of chances to fix things yeah 
and decides not to, which I think is like a very interesting thing that at some point I would like to talk about, but we have like six more letters, so we should probably move on from this one. What a great letter. Um, also, totally agree with you about not all Slytherins are evil in, in real life, obviously. Right. And many Capricorns apparently are Slytherins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you, Ivan. Thank you so much for writing this and um, also for your letters that will be included in future episodes because they're also great and we're excited to talk about them. All right. So I'm going to read two letters from the same person, but we'll do one and then talk about it and then do the next one, both of whom the person is anonymous. So here's the first one. Uh, Hi, I just started listening to your podcast recently and I'm presently at the episode Hagrid is Snow White and haven't listened to all of it yet, but I think that the choice to be called Hagrid instead of Rubius with its masculine ending fits with the theory that Hagrid is a trans woman. The name Hagrid seems to be related to the name Ingrid, which is Old Norse for beautiful goddess. The meaning of hag in Old Norse is... Okay, so they're sort of... They've broken it down into several options. Uh, One haggy which means pasture or enclosure two hag which means comfortable fit or capable three hagger meaning handy or skillful and in old high german hag means enclosure hagen means woven fence and in old saxon hago means again enclosure uh having found out that Ing is the syllable referring to a deity. I deduce that rid must be something like beautiful. They here apologize for not doing more research, but I did the research and they are correct. And as Ingrid is a female name, Hagrid would logically not be a male name. Uh, Sorry, my message is so rushed apart from being very late as the episode was made so long ago. But this local Huffleclaw just couldn't resist sending this thought to you. Yeah, this is... This is great. Like, I love this linguistic breakdown and, like, research. And just, it's very cozy. It's like, Hagrid's name is basically cozy. It's, like, beautiful and cozy. Totally. Yeah, I actually, I included this research in the write-up that I did to accompany Theo's Hagrid art that was in the Trans Harry Potter zine that we participated in. And so I'm just going to read my, like, what I wrote for that, which is... A listener recently emailed us with some incredible etymology research. In Germanic languages, the prefix prefix hag means enclosure or comfortable. The suffix rid means beautiful. The name Hagrid means beautiful, comfortable enclosure. And if that's not the feeling, the idea of mother conjures, I don't know what is. Hagrid, a beautiful hug, a lovely safe space, a nurturing caretaker, a mother, a woman. So good. So many thanks to this listener. I just can't. I, I know, I just like, got chills thinking about it. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm so fucking grateful to have this information. Yeah. I love, I fucking love our audience. Like, I love them so much. Yeah, I just, I, I like literally just don't even have words is what I have right now. <laughs> but, oh, per- perfect, perfect letter. 50 points to the house of your choosing. Uh, it sounds like Hufflepuff, or divided yes. between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. 25 points each to Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. All right. Um, and so this person's next letter says, I like the fanon 
that uh, calling himself Harry's dog father is exactly Sirius's sense of humor. What I wanted to say is that I have a slightly different thought about why Sirius calls Harry James at the Department of Mysteries. I think in this situation, Sirius's mind just can't go there and think about the person fighting the Death Eaters being the kid whose nappies he had changed. Sirius had been this in this kind of situation with James so many times, I think he needed to pretend it's James to function. For Sirius, this must be one of his biggest fears, his godson being in danger. His godson, one of the two living people he loves most, literally still a kid. He had been in such situations with James so many times. And yes, he laughs and mocks Bellatrix, but it's that painful laughter that is worse than crying. That out of control, this can't be real laughter we know from the other most horrible day of Sirius's life. In my opinion, Sirius proves that he deserves being called an okay father figure under dire circumstances and not just a mentor. Yes, he is mentally ill, and yes, in Order of the Phoenix, his alcohol consumption is very problematic, but if I weigh in against his choices before that, I would say that Harry is his top priority. When he finds out that Pettigrew is probably at Hogwarts, he wants to protect Harry. I'm sure that if Sir- that Sirius would not have broken out of Azkaban had Pettigrew been in the press throwing parties in France. Pettigrew was where Sirius knew that Harry was most likely to be. Sirius and- sends Harry a firebolt. What would be a simple thing for, let's say, Hagrid, if she earns enough, must require an awful lot of effort for Sirius. He can't strut down to Diagon Alley and and into quality Quidditch. He leaves his safe place abroad and literally lives in a cave and eats rats to be close to Harry and ready to help him. He could fly back on Buckbeak's back and be safe. Instead, he moves into a house that is for him no better than Azkaban. Grimwald Place is an extremely triggering place for him. My theory is that Being in the house where his parents abused him and being unable to protect Harry breaks him. It makes me so angry with JKR. Sirius deserves so much better. I mean, yes to all of this. I mean, and I mean, we will get there in the next however long it takes us to get through book four and five. But like, yeah, like Sirius goes through a lot. But like, I mean, I have never doubted that Harry is like, at this point, his, his top priority. Like, Harry is basically all that. Harry and, like, Lupin are all that remains of his family, you yeah. know? And I actually do really like the idea of Sirius sort of just explaining away the, like, sheer terror of being surrounded by Death Eaters with, like, all these fucking kids and, like, this, the only other person that he is, like, you know, deeply committed to, like, in such literal mortal danger. I mean, you know, it's... I mean, it's a lot on top of the already, like, incredibly rough mental health year he was having the entirety of book five yeah i totally agree with this i think i think if i recall correctly this is in response to something that we talked about with sarah about like sirius's sort of position as like father figure versus mentor and i don't that was a very long time ago so i don't totally recall that conversation but if there was any of me that needed to be swayed uh toward Sirius is like number one dad uh this letter has done that job (laughs) so yeah and I mean I feel like there's a reason that I mean I'm assuming Sirius is such a like beloved fan favorite it's like he deeply loves Harry and like he tries very hard to like be a parental figure to him but I think part of it is that like because of situations outside of Sirius's control, like being in like torture prison for 12 years, 
he has some challenges, I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily like make his love and like the effort that he goes through with Harry less godfatherly, dogfatherly. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you again, letter writer. You have the next letter, Jesse. Uh, this letter is from Aaron. Wouldn't Dumbledore and Madame Pomfrey know about the Whomping Willow secret passage? Why isn't it blocked? Why isn't it blocked off during this book? Also, Madame Rosemurcher's shoe collection is enchanted for ultimate comfort, support, and unbreakability. She invented half of the spells herself and is involved in mailing groups slash lists about shoe improvements and has a side job as a cobbler shoe enhancement shoe enhancer. There is so much fanfiction headcanon potential here. Flickwit keeps his favorite tiny umbrella and displays them around his house room space. Madame Rosemorta keeps an eye out for the ones to add to his collection. <clears throat> How many other Death Eaters use innocent witches as scapegoats after the war? Are any of them still in Azkaban? Cheers, Aaron. This is an amazing series of questions. Yeah, no, these are all great. Can we do the sad one first so that we can do the fun ones last? Yes. I think probably a decent amount of innocent people were sent to Azkaban without a trial, given what yep. we know. Yeah, and I think given what we know about Azkaban, unfortunately, they're probably dead. Yep. So, and I mean, we will get to it once we get to the chapter about how Sirius maintained his mental capacity in Azkaban. Sirius had to, like, meditate on the fact that he wasn't guilty, but all of his friends were dead anyway for 12 years, like, every mm-hmm. day. Like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's, like, worst case of, like, your brain being, like, you want to think about that traumatic thing that happened to you constantly in a loop? Like, I mean, honestly, the fact that Sirius survived even that is miraculous. Right, which it seems like he only did because he could turn into a dog and it sort of, like, blunted the Dementor's impact. Yeah, which he must spend a lot of time as a dog. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Legit question about Dumbledore and Pomfrey, though. I mean, in McGonagall, like, everyone who was in on, like, Lupin being at school, they all know about this fucking passage. Why Why haven't we considered this? That is actually so true. I mean, I think that this just, if I had to guess, just feeds into more of Dumbledore's bullshit, where I'm sure either Pomfrey or McGonagall were like, oh, hey, remember the whole secret passageway to the Shrieking Shack? And Dumbledore's like, oh, I got it covered. Don't worry about it. And then he was like, let's wait and see what happens. Like that, that is honestly my guess about that. Because Dumbledore is the fucking worst. Yep, that sounds accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Accepted. Oh my god. You know what? Let's just talk about Enchanted Heels. Yes! Uh, I mean, okay, so first off, what I love about this is... I mean, I think in general there should... We should see more... I imagine there are much more, like skilled trades people besides like Ollivander who just mm-hmm. you know and so the idea of Rosemurcha like being trained as like 
a cobbler in this like witching town like makes a lot of sense to me because it's not like anything's really being mass produced I guess so I'm assuming a lot of right like clothing and shoes and stuff are handmade Mm -hmm. yeah and it just is like so fitting with her character and like just imagining like mail order femme shoe charms that you can somehow like ship via owl to like make your fancy heels comfortable is like incredible yeah and i'm sure it's also like perfect for trans witches who might have larger feet it's very hard to find femme slash women's shoes in large sizes Mm -hmm. so what a service rosemurta is doing to the queer community (laughs) of magical britain I know, I was thinking that too, and then I was thinking about uh, Hagrid taking uh, Madame Maxime down to, like, get a drink at the Three Broomsticks and being like, oh, and, like, by the way, like, this is my good high femme friend who does shoe magic. This is my new high femme girlfriend. Like, have do you have these spells in France and Madame Maxime being like, no, I don't actually. And like getting really excited and her and Rosemary going off into like a corner to compare notes about <laughs> the, the best like sources of, I don't know, fucking patent leather or whatever you make a shoe out of. Yeah. I do have to say that I'm sure magical Paris is probably on lock with the magical shoes, but mm, you're right. I, I feel like though that, Rosemurta's style is probably something that Madame Maxine is still into. That's you know? definitely true. But if Rosemurta invented the spells herself, she could have a trademark on them. You're potentially. right. Potentially. And so it could be that, you know, she ships like custom made pairs to like one shop in Paris, but like she also has a fucking bar to run. So it might be hard to access her wares. Yeah. And I mean, like in real life, like don't because... take this from me because I want to imagine them no, 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 out no. of our shoes together. No, they totally do. I mean, like just because one person makes a cool shoe doesn't mean you just don't want a cool shoe from someone else that's like awesome and enhanced for comfort and like you know, yes. like yeah, of course, of course. Madame Maxine is like, yes, tell me about these heels. Yes, glittery turquoise high heels. I know <sighs> that she made herself. And it's, like, so easy to work all day in because they're charmed. Because that's the point of being a witch. Yeah, is to, is to look great and to feel great. So Is to be able to fix all of the, like, bullshit problems of day-to-day life. Instead oh, of yes, that able also. To do, like, yes. <laughs> random useless things. Like finding cute and comfortable shoes that also fit, say, a wide foot, which is always my problem. <laughs> Yeah, and not, like, turning a fucking sentient animal into an inanimate object that's still unfortunately sentient. That's not the point of being a witch. Yeah, I feel like the Hogwarts education is sort of like what conservatives imagine getting a humanities degree is in when it's like, <laughs> why aren't these kids learning how to fucking make shoes? That seems like a useful skill. Oh my god. Turning a hedgehog into... Uh, pincushion. Pincushion. When in the fuck are you ever gonna need to use to use that? Never, and you should not 
use it because it is extremely unethical. Yeah. You know how easy making a pincushion is? It's pretty fucking easy. Like, just... Yeah, Why would you pick need up some it? dirt outside, put it in a scrap of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> just just spell it close. Use some magic to make a rock soft and then just stick the <laughs> I like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. <sighs> anyway, uh Aaron, yes, the fanfic potential of this is great and we will definitely be putting that under consideration for future fanfics. So, thank you very much. Oh, uh, yes to the Fl- the Flitwick head canon. He definitely also has some little like flamingo drink accoutrements. Um, that because this is magic, flap their wings because that sounds fucking cool and I want that. You do want that. <laughs> it's like your exact aesthetic. Yeah, I just want a tiki drink that has a little stir that's like a pink flamingo and his wings flap. Um. Sorry, one one thing sort of connecting all of this, there's a tiki bar. One of the tiki bars in Detroit, they uh, like sell like funny tiki glasses for drinking out of. One of which is a black stiletto heel. And I just feel like I need, <laughs> I feel like I need this glass to like drink cocktails out of the stiletto heel. Yeah. So good. That's anyway. Hot. Yeah, it's very cool. Like... <gasps> never need uh, something more <laughs> oh i you guys don't need to write to us about how fucked up tiki bars are we know yes thank yes i know i'm aware okay so moving on to something very heavy but like so interesting this letter is super long i'm sorry okay i'm ready Let's do it's it. from gwen it says I've been dying to share this fan theory with y'all, and as you but uh, as you touched briefly on the possibility of Sirius being allowed to raise Harry in a recent episode, I have room to wedge my theory into relevant discussion. So, Fantastic Beasts sets up for us the existence of Obscurials, which is uh, who are forced to suppress their magic and as a result never learn to control their powers. Thus, a parasitic dark force, or Obscurus, is formed. Obscuri are extremely powerful forces. They're pure, raw, undirected, uncontrolled magic that has been pent up and then suddenly released. We know that at least one wizard, Grindelwald, has tried to tap into the power of an Obscurus by finding and manipulating an Obscurial. As a result of this, we also know that Dumbledore, among others, knew that a wizard had planned to use an Obscurial as a source of power. Also, there are many fan theories that Dumbledore's sister, Ariana, was an Obscurial. She had very a very powerful and negative experience with a group of muggles who saw her perform magic that left her traumatized. And to our knowledge, she did not attend Hogwarts. Some suggest that as a result of her trauma, she suppressed her magic. And in the incident with Dumbledore, Grindelwald, Grindelwald's Ariana, and Aberforth, her Obscurus was released and had some part in her death. Enter evil Dumbledore fan theory. Once Dumbledore knew that baby Harry had survived the attack by Voldemort, knew Voldemort would likely come back, and suddenly had a considerable amount of control over a child that he believed to be marked for dead, he had a plan. He would see if he could make Harry into an obscurial. Dumbledore was very aware of Petunia Dursley's feelings about magic. This is established in the letters exchanged between the two of them. He knew a child in Petunia and Vernon's care would not be open able to practice magic and even admitted this to Minerva somewhat somewhat on the night they left Harry and Privet Drive. 
He also threw up roadblocks to Harry being raised by anyone else, namely Sirius. I don't think Dumbledore seriously believed that Sirius Black was involved in the plot to murder the Potters, nor that he believed that Sirius killed Pettigrew. But he saw an opportunity, once Sirius was accused, to ensure that Harry would be placed in an alternative home, rather than with his legal godfather. Dumbledore willingly let an innocent man be sent to prison just to maintain control over a child that he was intending to raise as a lethal bomb against a dark wizard. Dumbledore purposefully put a child in the care of people that he had good reason to believe would not nurture his magic abilities, uh, so he would not know about magic for 10 years, 10 years in which his suppressed magical gifts could manifest into a dark force that could kill others if not himself. He chose not to find an alternative home for this child or to intervene to help with the one good home he had found he could have found himself in with Sirius. Dumbledore did this in the hopes that this child would manifest a dark creature that he could then unleash upon the dark wizard hellbent on killing the child anyway. I also think that Dumbledore purposefully allowed the events of the Sorcerer's Stone to unfold the way they did because he wanted to test Harry's control over his Obscurus on a version of Voldemort Light. Dumbledore is evil. Change my mind. Well, uh, we don't, we're not here to change your mind. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not changing your mind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, Dumbledore is the worst. I really like this theory, to be honest. Um, I think the thing, the the stuff about the Obscurals is maybe the only thing about Fantastic Beasts that, like, I know of and is often relevant to our discussion because I definitely think that that is what happened to Dumbledore's sister Ariana mm-hmm. yes like uh, like for sure 110 percent and like Dumbledore's just the kind of dude to like fuck around with that shit he like for for all of his like defeating his ex in combat or whatever the fuck ends up happening like Dumbledore has never let go of his sort of for the greater good manipulations um, which we see, of course, play out time and time again in the books themselves. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that making Harry into a Scurial mm-hmm. as like one of his possible quote unquote uses for Harry against Voldemort. Def- definitely. I feel like Dumbledore definitely had a couple of different plans in mind that he had theories about with Harry, none of which, of course, are actually good for Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, like definitely about the, the events, the Sorcerer's Stone sort of being set up for Harry to confront Voldemort. Like, that's really the only explanation about like how like three 12 year olds get through this medical obstacle course set up by like talented adult witches without Dumbledore being like, actually, I want to see, I, I want to see what happens. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. I th- I think this is like totally plausible. I feel like it's in keeping with Dumbledore's character. I think that he probably was like, I mean, if he turns into an obscurial, like, great, I can do my experiment. And like, if he doesn't, he's going to be like super fucked up and he's easy to manipulate. It's a win-win for me. Sorry, Sirius. Enjoy Azkaban. Yeah. And I mean, I think that what I mean, what has always rubbed me the wrong way about Sirius just straight up going to prison without any kind of trial is that, and I mean, obviously, like at you know, there is this issue of Death Eaters and the government being corrupt, but like literally, there's literally no one be like, actually, I think Sirius is innocent. This is some bullshit, you know. 
like mm-hmm. someone who has power, like Dumbledore, who fucking knew the who like like they were all in the fucking Order of the Phoenix. OG, like he knew serious, like yeah. Also owns a pensive, right? So <laughs> no, Sirius should have never been in Azkaban in the first place. But it's like bullshit that everyone's like, "Yep, that that seems legit," and like no one says anything to the contrary. Like, there's like thirty people in the witching world. Like everyone knows it. Like what? It just yeah. So I totally would buy. Dumbledore passively not doing anything in order to have Sirius continue to be in jail. And so he can continue with his experiment, his experiments on Harry about like, you know, what was going to happen to him. Cause like, really, I feel like the whole, like, Oh, their mother's sacrifice, blood sacrifice is keeping you safe. It's like Sirius is Godfather. Like that is his family. Like it should have still worked. Like, Anyway. Yeah, that, uh, uh, like, obsession with biology showing its I know! Funny, funny, funny how that works out, where it's like, oh, it's all about the biology of your family. Here's uh, a book about chosen family where only the biology of your blood, like, your mother's fucking sacrifice is the only thing that's actually keeping you safe, even though you have to, like, find all of your own family. And like, don't that, but also don't fucking tell me that, I mean, not that Sirius would ever bring Harry to Grimmauld Place, but if it was safe enough for them to be at the fucking Order of the Phoenix headquarters, it was probably going to be safe enough to fucking keep Harry in there. They could have just thrown out all the furniture, put some new paint up, took out his mother's shitty painting, painting, knock some walls down, call it good. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Harry would have been fucking safe. He would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, there's there's no reason aside from Dumbledore is evil and J.K. Rowling is evil. Okay, yes, thank you so much, Gwen, for writing this. It's a great theory. All right, Jesse, I think you have our last letter. Oh, I do. Okay, this is from a totally different Aaron. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Hi, y'all. I love the podcast and just finished episode 48 where you discuss what Butterbeer could be. I immediately needed to contact you both because a favorite YouTube channel of mine covered Butterbeer and it turns out it is a real historical drink. This cha- the channel is how to drink and, I leave- and I'll leave a link. Also, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the headcanon that Remus's suitcase was a gag gift from the Marauders. I have many more theories I'd love to share, including the likely style of clothing in the likely style of clothing in the least pure blood wizard families based off of history, but I fear my horrible grammar and tendency to ramble would make it an incomprehensible mess. I hope you enjoyed this factoid about a cool ass drink. So first off, Aaron, thank you so much for this letter. And I have a variety of learning disabilities where my grammar and spelling is pretty atrocious. So you should just send this the email anyway, because I want to know about the clothing based on history of just regular ass, not fancy pure blood wizard families. Please let me know all of that. Yep. That's why I left that in here was so that we could be like, uh, no, send us emails. Like we want, we yeah, want listen, your emails. Listen, my spelling and grammar is really bad. I, we're not here to judge the spelling and grammar of the emails you send us. Please. Yep. Pretty please. Yes. So getting that out of the way. 
Butterbeer. Yeah, we will include, that'll be uh, in the the post where this is, patrons, the link for the, the YouTube video is there for you. I had no idea about this, did you know? No. It's very cool. Yeah, I'll need to watch that because that's like super cool. I watched it when we got this email, which was like several months ago, and I, you know how my brain is, so I'm like, I think it was cool. Hmm. sounds accurate i mean i think just in general as as a nerd that like the history of brewing is very interesting in general you know so butter beer being a like historic drink is very fascinating to me Mm -hmm. can we talk about this suitcase though yes so this is so sweet and touching I had never heard this theory. Had you heard this? No, theory? I also never heard this theory. <gasps> it's so cute. And it makes so much sense that he would be like, A, that like they would call him like the professor because he's like the smart one and is like the nerdy one. And that's adorable. And then that they would like, because they're just like the cutest fucking friends and they would totally make him a briefcase that said Professor Lupin on it. And he would obviously, like, drag it around with him for the rest of his goddamn life because they all died and left him. And it's so tender and tragic and wonderful. And I love it so much. Oh, yeah. No, this is now my new headcanon. Like, oh, yeah, clearly. Obviously. Yeah. So, because, yeah, that is a sort of, like, that is a sort of the sort of shit that friends would do. And that's why I love that where it's, like, it feels kind of on par, like, when you send your friends, like, Father's Day cards. Yeah. And so I just I just love it because it's it is just so tender and like yeah, well, yeah like again why wouldn't he just carry around with him forever? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this is great. These letters are all great. Thank you all so much for writing to us. Please keep writing to us. We fucking love getting letters from you. I am very sorry that it sometimes takes me a long time to write you back. I get in spaces where writing emails is very hard but that doesn't mean that i'm not very glad to have received your email uh and you will always hear back from me eventually (laughs) (laughs) yeah no these are these are all great thank you uh so much for sharing all these fantastic headcanons and fan theories and And just more evidence that dumbledore is the real villain of the Uh, it's like, bro, you should have helped. You should have helped Tom, and you should have helped Harry, and you know, maybe all this shit wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. He'd been a little bit less of a dick. Just so. be kind. Moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, but butterfly effect. That you know, it's it's good to be kind to people. Um, you don't know how what that ripple effect will mean. Um, and thank you to all of our patrons who are listening. Thank you for supporting us. It means more than ever for you to be doing so right now. Um, and we are so grateful. Yeah, thanks to each and every one of you for being our patrons. It, I like don't I like yeah, I don't even know what to say is where I'm at. Also it's very late here. But <laughs> eleven PM at Jesse's house. Listen, right. I am an old lady. <laughs> That is late. I was validating you. Yeah. I just like, it's like, woo, wild Saturday night. Recording a letter to the editor. Yeah. I want to do this and like, I don't know, clean my kitchen and like go to bed. (laughs)
Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, y'all. We will see you on the internet. Thank you.